We, uh, uh, a couple of things I want to make mention. Jeff mentioned a little bit uh, about it earlier, but uh, I just want to say thank you to, to everyone that came out yesterday and, and helped with the, with the big food truck. And uh, my understanding is we uh, ministered, ministered to uh, and gave food to uh, 245 different families yesterday, uh, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And uh, so thank you. I've, I heard we even, they, we even had a family come and, and feed everybody else too. So that's pretty awesome. So uh, thank you for doing that. That's uh, just, just cool to get to see uh, people jump in and, and want to be a part of a team and want to do things for the kingdom. Uh, I, love, I love that. Uh, gets all over me, so uh, pretty exciting stuff. And then uh, <clears throat> I wanted to make, um, and, and just to make mention, you know, not just your willingness to serve, but your willingness to give, your generosity, uh, helps make things like that happen uh, that we do. So uh, thank you for that as well. And, and to kind of piggyback on that, just to put it on your radar, and, and you probably feel like this has kind of fallen off the radar a little bit, but it has not. Uh, and so if, and if you're new, this may be something new. Uh, for you, but we have uh, we've been working toward uh, uh, trying to build a sober living house uh, that would be here local, uh, that we would be the sponsoring church for. All the people in that program would attend and worship with us, and we would get to minister to them and probably many of their families as well. Um, and uh, we've been raising money for that. Uh, and so one of the things that we've been doing is is once a year for the last couple of years, we've been doing something called the Big Give. Uh, where we just ask ask folks to just pray about uh, putting aside some some extra money, like an extra offering, if you will. Uh, you know, if maybe God's blessed you in some way or something, I don't know, uh, but just something to think about. Uh, but we're going to be doing that just so, you, again, so it's on your radar because it's kind of hard to pray and think about that if you don't know about it. But uh, that's going to happen just shortly after Easter, just a, a couple weeks after Easter. And so we'll be talking more uh, about the Hope Center and the Sober Living House and all that stuff in the days ahead. If you're new and you haven't heard uh, much about that, don't fear. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be covering those bases again. Uh, probably having our buddy Stephen come back and share a little bit with us about that. But uh, uh, really such an awesome program. Uh, it's a year-long uh, discipleship program, really, that's designed around helping people get sober off of you know whatever it is that uh, their addiction is. And uh, we, we just as a church kind of took on this... Um, uh, this belief that, you know, if, if this is our mission field, if this is where God has put us, and it seems to be, uh, then uh, we can't ignore real issues that are going on around us. Uh, we have to be willing to help meet some of those needs to minister to the people uh, of our communities and to share Jesus with them. And so um, we just see this as a part of that, and so just plain and simple. And, and this is just a piece. This is one piece of a puzzle that... Uh, uh, we got going on, so uh, you know I'm 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 hopeful that we could possibly see legs grow under this thing uh, by the end of this year, uh, and a lot of that's going to be based on that offering uh, come a couple weeks after Easter. So just just something to, to be thinking about, praying about, uh, and all that good stuff. So uh, last year we actually encouraged families uh, to 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 pray about. Uh, you know, seeing if they could do a $500 gift, uh, you know, and everybody, you know, kind of pitching in to do that together uh, helps make that a, a lofty goal, but uh, it is a lofty goal. Uh, and, but we have raised up to this point, um, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, but it's, it's close to $120,000. It's not quite there yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's, 
that's that's the generosity of the church as a whole doing this together. So uh, there's a, when we get to the 200 mark, uh, then we get to say game on uh, with that. And so that's 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 where that's where it sets. And so uh, and then beyond that mark, uh, I foresee that we'll probably be buying. Uh, some vans, buses, whatever, <clears throat> to uh, uh, be starting some bus ministry and also for our students and our kids uh, to be able to have, to use, to go to camps and all those things too. So uh, lots, lots of cool stuff. Again, pieces of the puzzle uh, that God has put on our hearts and, and we can talk more about that if you ever want to talk more one-on-one about that. Glad to do so. I'll probably scare you off before it's all said and done. So uh, anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's jump into this. We're, uh, we're in our Life Goals series uh, in Proverbs, uh, if you're with us online, thank you for joining us online. Uh, but uh, we uh, we're jumping in this today, and uh, we're talking about uh, talking about plan making, talking about making plans. And uh, uh, some of us are better than that at others. In fact, if you've got your Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to go to the Book of Proverbs uh, and turn to chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, uh, let our ushers know as they're walking the aisles, and they will bring you one, and you can keep that one if you don't own one. But uh, this, uh, this idea of making plans and God's plans and, you know, how much, how much of what's going on is God's plan and how much are our plans and, you know, how, do, how does all this work together? This is like, you know, this is some of the, the magical mystery of, of, you know, all things that the Lord knows that we try to understand uh, in, in many ways. And uh, we're going to we're going to dive into some of that today, and uh, the Proverbs tell us quite a bit uh, about that, and, and so we're going to be uh, looking at that today. In fact, I don't want to go ahead and just read Proverbs fifteen twenty-two, um, and then we're going, to ju- we're going to do a bunch of jumping around. No surprises there if you've been with us for the Proverbs series so far, uh, but uh, we'll do some jumping around, but then we're going to come back to, to chapter 16, and we're really going to kind of camp there for a little while. Uh, but yeah, Proverbs fifteen twenty two, and Proverbs fifteen twenty two says this: it says, "Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed." Without counsel, plans fail, uh, but with many advisors, they succeed. Um, you know, this this proverb, this truth, uh, reminds me of something that is very important in my life. I have found out uh, in life that I work much better. Uh, with a team, uh, you know, I, I've always, I've, uh, as far as back as I can remember, anything uh, that I ever was in charge of, I, I just, uh, and and honestly, I can't say that I was wise enough to understand it and know it to be a truth. Uh, other than obviously, you know, I think teams can can do a lot more than individuals. But um, you know, I, as far as back as I can remember, anything that I ever led in, uh, I was always trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to develop a team? And so even, even when we set out to start 24 uh, all those years ago, uh, the first thing that we were doing was uh, putting together a team. We were building a team of people <clears throat> that would help lead this thing, that felt called to this thing, uh, led to be here, led to do this, and, and, uh, some of, and a lot of that team is actually still here today. Uh, by the way, what an amazing thing. Uh, 18 years later, we still have a lot of the team in place that we had 18 years ago, which is that... That's just nuts and crazy and uh, a testimony to, to God will use whoever he wants and do whatever he wants because we were a bunch of young, dumb people, uh, I can just tell you. And uh, we did not know what we were doing, but we were trying to lean on the Lord. Uh, but uh, yeah, and so, uh, you, know, this, it's, you know, it helps me to work with a team, but I mean, this truth is a reminder of why without counsel, 
plans fail, uh, but with many advisors, they succeed. We need other people. I mean, the truth, this is the truth. I mean, uh, and people want to fight this. I hear, hear people say this all the time, you know, well, I don't really need to be a part of a church. You know, I just do my own thing or whatever. And, and I mean, God just did not design us that way. I mean, that's just not the way we were designed. That's not some, you know, Chris is trying to take Scripture and twist it to make it sound cool to be a part of a church. I mean, just truth. Uh, we need people. We need people around us that push us toward Jesus, that are honest with us, that love us enough to, uh, to speak truth in our lives and push us toward him when uh, maybe we're running the other way or whatever it is. But uh, anyway, uh, that's, that's a great thing. So Proverbs 27, let's jump into that. Proverbs 27, verse 1 says this, it says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. You know, this is, this is one of those things that I think it's, uh, it's easy for us, especially the plan makers. I know, I know we've got the different personality types, you know, going on. Um, and sometimes, sometimes I'm not great at making the plan, uh, about something, which is why I need a team around me, uh, because they hold me accountable to doing that at times, uh, or they help me to do that at times. They even help me to make a plan at times. Uh, uh, some of the most helpful things that our staff has even done for me over the years is, you know, when we sit down and, and kind of are thinking about, you know, what a next uh, message series is going to be or whatever, a lot of time we'll map that out together. Like, what's that look like? That's so helpful for me. Like, you have no idea. Um, and so, uh, but, you know, this is, this is also one of those things where, uh, you know, for those folks that are great at planning or even maybe those that are not, uh, at times we take those plans that we've made and we, we are so, like, into those plans that if anything rocks the boat, we're like, oh, what are we going to do now, you know, kind of thing. Let's don't, you know, don't do that. Um, and the truth is, is, is that things are going to happen. We, we know that. Uh, and it's easy for us to think that we have things all sorted out, um, you know, and, and the, the term, you know, uh, I think it's a funny term, I won't go too far with it or whatever, but, uh, uh, you know, you, maybe you've heard this saying before, when we make plans, God laughs, you know, uh, that's, a, that's a little funny statement or whatever, uh, you know, there's a little truth in there, you know. Uh, the truth is, is that sometimes God wants us to see and understand that it's not based upon what we can come up with. And he does want us to trust in him. But we do play a part of it, okay? And so there's that piece as well. Uh, and so, you know, I think, I think we, have to, you know, we have to take all things into account. In fact, go to Proverbs 16, verse 33. Proverbs 16, 33. It says, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision uh, but its every decision is from the Lord. The lot is cast into the lap, but it, its every decision is from the Lord. What, what is that talking about? So this is talking about casting lots. And this was, you know, kind of their way of, you know, uh, drawing straws or having a coin toss or, you know, playing paper, rock, scissors or, you know, whatever. I, you know, I, I'm, I was in a group of people uh, this week when and there was like a really serious moment and a decision had to be made. Um, and this was not a church function type thing or whatever. And, and uh, it was a very, very tense moment. And I mean, I just can't even stop myself from being an idiot. And so I just like walked right into that situation and was like, all right, I got it. I got it. Here's what we're going to do. Everybody get your hands out. And they're like, what? And I was like, come on, hands out. It's like, 
rock, paper, scissors right now. Let's go. Find a partner. And like somebody was like, you're serious. And I was like, I'm hardly ever serious. Like you, you have to understand that, right? Uh, but, you know, so, but yeah, so this is, talking, this is talking about them casting lots. And it's saying the lot is cast to the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. In other words, God is in every what we think is random circumstance, you know, the coin toss, uh, the, you know, whatever, you know, he, he's in it. He's in it. He already knows it. He already knows it, you know? And, and that, that gets all over us sometimes, right? When we, when we start thinking about that, we're like, man, God already knows all this stuff. Like, what in the world, right? And, and you know, and so we have, and, and so we, but we see all these choices that we have as people that are living. So, you know, how, how much of like, you know, God uh, being sovereign over all things is there and how much of like us making choices is there and how do those things like play well together, right? I mean, if you just think about like the choices that we have alone uh, in work, in relationships, um, in things that we should uh, spend money on and uh, how we study, how we invest, uh, you know, we, we, need, we need wisdom, we need guidance, you know, and as a matter of fact, uh, if you go through uh, the Hebrew Bible, talking about the Old Testament here, uh, you know, the uh, Keller talks about this. He says that the word guidance in the Hebrew language is actually uh, derived from the word rope, like rope, you know, and, and, and it's like, you know, what is that about? Well, it's because rope was the method of navigation in sailing. You know, it was the thing that was used uh, to navigate the boat, to put the sail up, to move the sail uh, one way or the other, to take it down. It was all through the rope. And so, you know, the Hebrew language actually uses that to describe even, you know, how we get to God's navigation. And, and you know, how, and how do we? You know, what, what, what does that look like for uh, us to be led by the Lord, for Him to navigate, help us navigate our lives? That's a big deal, right? We want God to lead us. But how do we get there? The rope, his navigation. Well, we're going to hopefully kind of see some stuff here that's helpful for us today to, to help figure that out. Here's a statement also from Keller. By the way, Keller or Danny Aiken both uh, really helpful with you know, some of this message. Uh, credit goes where credit is due. Um, it's, and uh, Keller said this, says, We are absolutely free and absolutely determined at the same time. So we have a part into play with our choices, okay? And then at the same time, God is sovereign over all things, right? And so how, how in the world does that work out? You know, and, and I think, you know, if we believe it's all God or all us, just one or the other, we're going to be messed up, okay? We, we, we know that. I mean, I think we know that. We should know that. Uh, but the truth is, you know, if we think... You know, if we get into our head, well, it's just all God. It's just, he's sovereign over all things. Uh, then we just we just don't even need to try. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what we do because you know God's going to do whatever He's going to do uh, anyway. You know, uh, and so we just see no purpose in life. But then uh, you flip that the other way, and if it's all us and we're in control, oh my gosh, we're going to mess this up. Like, there's no way this is going to come out any good. And, and the, here's the funny thing. Like, when we get to thinking about this, for those of us that get uncomfortable about the thought of, like, 
you know, him being in control or us being in control, like we, we, we get uncomfortable about that. But then when we think about it like that, we're like, oh, wait a second, I, I do kind of need him to be in control, at least to some stuff, you know. Okay, so what stuff do we want him to be in control over and what stuff do we want to be in control over, right? So like, because almost in a sense, we're basically saying, okay, what stuff am, and am I going to mess up and what stuff do I want him to reign and, and be sovereign and, and be God and be amazing and all the stuff, you know? They have to be together. And the scriptures lead us to see that over and over and over and over and over. In fact, Proverbs 16, this is where we're going to camp for a little while. And in fact, this is an odd passage for uh, Proverbs 10 through 31, talking about chapters uh, 10 through 31, because uh, this is a passage that is together instead of it being so much of this like ran- what feels like randomness uh, throughout the Proverbs. This is a passage that is together uh, as Solomon wrote it. Uh, And it is speaking to a lot of this. And so I want to read this with us today and and study on it for a few minutes. Proverbs 16, verse uh, 1. And we're just going to walk through uh, some of these verses. It says, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue belongs to the Lord. We make plans, but... His will is what determines if it succeeds. So he, he's, he's wanting us to play a part in this, but at the end of the day, he's God, right? Like we understand who he is, like that he can do anything, that he created everything, right? And so there's this amount of like, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's coming in and out, or what's the, how's this work? I, you know, I understand he's got a plan. Understand he's got, we, we can understand he's got a plan just based upon revelation. We take that alone. Like that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That that's going to happen. That one day that all, all sickness, all uh, suffering is going to pass away. Like that's, that's, that's an ending to something. Uh, it's an ending to, to some things. And then the beginning of like this huge celebration for us as believers at the same time, right? And so these things are playing well together, and they need to play well together, you know? And and again, it says, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And so, you know, for us to understand, you know, yeah, we've got some plans. We, he, he's, he's having us involved as we are making plans and we are making some decisions and all those things, you know. And then verse 2, it goes on, it says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Isn't it funny how we can fool ourselves sometimes with, you know, something that we want to do, and, and we'll tell ourselves, well, I want to do that because of this. But the truth is, is that sometimes in our hearts are another reason, maybe it's a sinful reason, you know, and we're like, oh, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's not, you know, I'm, I'm here for this reason, you know, I, you know, I gave away, I gave away food yesterday because, you know, I, I just really want to serve the Lord or I gave food away yesterday, the truth is in my heart, because it makes me feel better about me, 
you know. Either way, you did a good thing, right? But the truth is, is we have to be careful. But here, this is why we need the Lord, right? It can't be on us because if it's all on us, we'll just keep jacking it up with stuff like that, right? Because what's it say there? It says, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. In fact, uh, to maybe get a little more clarity of that, and you can go check this out later, but 1 Corinthians 4 talks about how he knows the secrets of our hearts. God knows the secrets of our hearts. He, he absolutely knows when even when we don't see it, even when we don't realize it, he sees our ulterior motives. He knows what we're up to. He knows what's really going on inside of us, right? And the truth is, it's just a reminder that we're sinners. That's it. Just a reminder that we're sinners. It's not that we're awful people, you know? And I think it's important for us to be, to be mindful of that as, we, as he sometimes does correct us through his word and we do recognize things about ourselves that we didn't realize were true and we realize, oh man, my heart is really actually in a bad place about that or this or, you know, whatever it is. And the truth is, is that he's wanting to change us and mold us and shape us into having a heart like his. Verse 3 here says, this says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. This whole idea that we have work and that God is calling us to that work is an important piece of the puzzle. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Now, if you look at this the way, uh, you know, if the way that we would like for this to read is more, you know, this backwards idea of God take our plans and establish them, and then we'll commit them to your work. This is this is kind of the this is the kind of the you know uh, the, one of the things even as a pastor. You know that I have to be careful of, like when I'm when I'm preparing uh, for a message or whatever it is. It's like easy for me to go, okay, well this week I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to use these passages. And you know you can spend you can spend hours on end as a pastor, believe it or not, like working on a message, getting to this point, and then going, maybe I should pray and ask God to bless this. <laughs> like you know, maybe maybe so far this is just mine. You know, now it's, and granted, it's his word and all those things, but, you know, one, it's, it's, you know, say, oh, well, you're overthinking it or whatever, maybe so, but, you know, at the end of the day, God wants to be a part of the process, and he does want to use our work, but it is for him to lead it and establish it and use it for his kingdom, you know, and so, you know, understanding that he's wanting to be a part of the process, a part of our work, part of our plans, is an important piece for us for us to see this morning. Uh, in fact, uh, we make the mistake of trying to pigeonhole God in this. We think that if we are uh, free to choose all the things, God must not be sovereign. And we think that if he's fully sovereign, uh, then we would be nothing more than robots. I've had that conversation with, with lots of people over the years. And I've, and I've, man, I've, you know, searched the scriptures over like, God, what, do you, what, what is it that you're saying about us? And the truth is, is that they're both all over Scripture. We understand that he's truly sovereign, and he does have us in a place where we are making decisions. And not only are we making decisions, 
And, and anybody wants to argue, well, you know, God's you know, making those decisions for you, whatever, because he's sovereign. I think he's allowing those decisions to happen. And then the truth is, is yet, does he know that those decisions are going to make? Yeah. Can he intervene at any given point that he wants to? Yeah. So, so how, you know, they, they play together. Because Scripture says I'm still held accountable for those things, right? Verse 4, it says this, it says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. This means good and bad things are a part of God's plan. We don't like that, right? We don't like that. But let me ask you, how, how many times do we see suffering throughout Scripture? How many times has suffering been a part of your life? Has your life just been the easiest life ever with no suffering? No. Could God intervene if he needs to intervene? Yeah, he can. Does he always? No. Why? Part of his plan. It's a part of what he's intending to happen. He's allowing things to happen. Now, before we jump off and go, okay, well, God is orchestrating evil? Is that what you're saying? No, he's not. As a matter of fact, James 1.13 says he's not. You know, you can go look at that later if you want to. But the understanding to help us to see, you know, in, 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 especially in verses 1 and 2, we're going to see verse 9 here in just a minute, you know, help us to see uh, that the evil deeds that are done belong to man. There was a fall. Adam and Eve did the thing. There was a fall, the fall of man. Sin was ushered into the world. It's now a part of the process. We reap the benefits. They're not really benefits. Consequences probably is the better word to use there uh, of their fall. And the truth is, we could say, oh, that stinking Adam and Eve, if only it had been us, we would have got it right. Uh huh. Yeah, right. Man, we're never going to get it right as long as there's a woman involved, right? <laughs> Gonna make a whole bunch of you mad at me. <laughs> oh, it's a joke. It's a joke. Goodness gracious. Didn't come from the scriptures. <laughs> I got one ready to fight right now. Perry, good luck with that. Oh, man. In the end, he will bring it for reason, for his purpose and his good. He can use even the most horrible things that have happened from our sin and restore them for his good and our good for his kingdom to be used in ways that just absolutely blow our minds. I mean, it's an amazing, amazing thing, right? You remember Joseph, right? You remember Joseph and his brothers? Remember those guys way back in the Old Testament, right? You know, what did we see with Joseph and his brothers? Joseph was prideful. Joseph was the favorite, you know? He got, he got the coat of many colors, he was the man, and he was starting to let it be known with the brothers. He's like, I am the man. You guys wish you could be me. Brothers don't put up with that very well, right? We know that. I don't have actual blood brothers, and I, I know that. I know that would probably be a bad, a bad move. It was a bad move for him. Uh, it came to him being thrown in a pit, being sold into slavery, then thrown into a dungeon. Over and over, we see kind of a theme of Joseph going through really bad stuff, and he's crying out to God, and God, where are you? And it seems like God's not there for him, and all through this stuff. But along the way, Joseph 
is chosen by God to do some amazing things later on that wouldn't have happened had his brothers not sold him into slavery, told their dad he was dead, all of these things, right? And here in Genesis 50, verse 20, it says this, and it's Joseph as he is speaking back to his brothers here, and he says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And I think that we all probably have stories in our lives of things that have happened in our lives that have not been pleasant, but we've seen how God has used them to draw us closer to Him, to help us to grow in some way, to shape us, mold us, whatever it may be. Going back to Proverbs 16, verse 5, it says this, it says, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. God will punish evil. It, will, it won't go unseen. He will sort it out. That's, that's one of those, uh, I think I adopted that from the Marine Corps, uh, you know, sayings, but, you know, let God sort them out kind of thing. They have a lot more to say with that, I think, but uh, I'll, I'll still like it. Uh, you know, the idea that, you know, there's, there's moments in time, I mentioned this last week, there's moments, there have been moments in time in ministry here where, you know, it's like, are we supposed to help these people with something? Are we supposed to, I can't tell, are they trying to take advantage of us? And then finally, at the end of the day, it's like, you know what, let's just, let's just, let's just help them and we'll let God sort it out. You know, what's the, what's the worst that happens? We got taken advantage of for, you know, helping somebody with some gas or some food, who cares, Right. That's just a blip on the radar. What are we called to do? We're called to serve, you know? And in this piece, it, it reminds me that we need God to be sovereign over all. I need Him to be sovereign over all. I, I don't need to be sovereign over all, that's for sure. You know, that'd be, that'd be a mess, right? Verse 6, it goes on. It says, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. This atoning that it's talking about here is speaking to, uh, you know, what would have been the blood of an animal being shed for people's sins in the Old Testament before Jesus came uh, but is, it's, it's also a pointing forward of what is to come and what's going to happen, which is the blood of Jesus. The steadfast love and faithfulness iniquity is atoned for. What's, how's it atoned for? It's atoned for by Jesus on the cross for us today. That it's because God sent His Son, who was perfect, to be the sacrificial lamb, the only person could have ever given their life, you know, for on our behalf to pay the penalty for our sin is Jesus. And he came, and he didn't just come to be a good guy and be friends with everybody and heal some people and show off and be like, hey, I'm God. He came and died for us. And I think sometimes that seems so far away from us that even though we might believe it, at the same time, I think that we forget like the power that is involved in that. Jesus got up on a cross after being beat almost to death, literally, 
and they hung him, and he bled out for us that we might be forgiven. Praise God he's sovereign over all. Right? Praise God for the cross. Praise, praise God for an empty tomb. Praise God that it didn't stop there. By the way, Easter's coming. Right? Verse 7 keeps going here. It says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Peace is something that we all want, right? Peace is something that we all want. And God gives peace. And he gives it in our hearts. And according to this, even in relationships, he can give it. And, and I think this is some of what it's talking about. Uh, and uh, Aiken spoke to this, to, to just be clear and give him credit for it. You know, he says, in God's kingdom, we don't see our enemy as men anymore, but our own sin, Satan, death, all of which Jesus has defeated. So when we're coming under his kingship, no longer are we worried about somebody that we're at odds with. We, we can have a peace with that. Even if they don't have a peace with us, we can have a peace with that. And in turn, keep moving forward in who God's calling us to be, Right? in such a way that we can be reminded that, that the things that we are at war with, sin and these other things, that we can be reminded that Jesus has defeated those things. What an amazing thing for us. What an amazing thing. Verse 8, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Watke argues here that uh, God's name, this is the only verse out of 1 through 9 that God's name is not in. And he believes that it is absent because of this, you know, portraying this morally upside-down world. And that what this verse is trying to get at here is that it's better for us to be righteous. Totally agree with this, by the way. Better to, it's better to be righteous and poor than rich and a cheater. Better to be righteous and poor than rich and a cheater. Look back at that. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Verse 9, it says, this says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of man plans his way. There we are. There's us in the picture right there. The heart of man plans his way but the Lord establishes his steps. We do make plans. And at the same time, God ordains all things. And your plans are yours. And my plans are mine. Our plans are ours. And we will be held accountable for them. And they are controlled and set by the Lord. <laughs> How crazy is that? Jumping over to another chapter, Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. I, just, I loved that so much, and I feel like it plays into the whole of what we're talking about today that I could not share it. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. 
And I, I want to be a person of integrity who's following the Lord and trusting in Him. We talked last week a whole lot about uh, trust. We talked about money and how God wants us to, to use money and, and, and really the, the battle within our hearts over that and why Jesus spends so much of His ministry talking about it and all those things. Um, I've had more people talk to me about last week's message in, in like life-changing ways. I, I'm just, I'm honestly amazed. Uh, and that is the Lord's doing, by the way. Um, but uh, if you didn't hear it, you can go back and check it out. But, you know, we talked a whole lot about what it looks like for us to truly trust in the Lord. And how we say we trust in the Lord, but then we don't. And one of the ways that God sees that in our hearts is usually with our money. You know, and what we're willing or not willing to do or whatever it may be. And I, I see this word integrity, and I think to myself, you know, integrity is, you know, it's that, you know, it's, it's that poster that's like in everybody's office, like in the 90s or something. Michael Scott probably, you know, had it in the office or whatever, but, uh, you know, doing, you know, character and integrity and all these things, doing what, you know, the right thing is when nobody's around and all this kind of stuff, you know. We want to follow the Lord. We need to let him have our hearts. Right? He doesn't just come and take our hearts, right? There's both at play. We have a part to play in all of this. And at the end of it all, I go back to thinking about what Jesus has done in defeating the sin that God wants us to have peace over. And Colossians 1 speaks to that. As it talks about Jesus, and it says this in verse 19, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, has now reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And even there, we see both. We see God's hand moving. We see him intervening literally in time and sending his son, making peace by the blood of his cross, and at the same time calling us to be holy and blameless and above reproach before Him, in seeking Him and trying to follow Him. And we sing these songs. He's got the whole world in His hands, right? And then we sing this song. Maybe it's familiar to you. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man could ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the love of Christ I stand. Our plans, his plans. How about we just seek the Lord, we trust in him. We know he wants our good, he loves us, he cares for us. We know that even the tough moments and the tough things that we go through, he's somehow going to use those things for his kingdom. I got to tell you, I praise God for that. 
I'd hate to think that I go through these terrible things sometimes in life or that I watch other people go through terrible things sometimes in life and that God not be able to use that stuff for his kingdom somehow. I'm grateful for that. Our plans, his plans, no matter, it's all his no matter what. And honestly, that should comfort us today. If you've never trusted in Jesus and you'd like to talk or pray about that, I'm going to be out in the foyer in just a minute. I'd love to pray with you, talk with you more about that. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for guiding us and helping us to understand just a little more of who you are. God, I am grateful that you are in all things and sovereign over all things. And God, at the same time, I'm also grateful that you didn't make us robots. And God, I'm not sure that we'll ever fully comprehend how it all works together until we're with you, and that's okay. God, thank you for being God, and thank you for not allowing us to be. Because God, we wouldn't need you if we were. God, and we do need you. We need you. We need your grace. We need your guidance. We need to trust in you for all things. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to do that. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for, God, how you rescued us out of our own sin, out of our own mess. God, how you have led us, called us to be the people here, Lord, to be light here on earth. God, help us to be that. God, I pray right now for anyone, Lord, that hasn't trusted in you to be their Savior. God, I pray, Lord, that you would do a great work in their heart and their lives. God, help them. Help them to see your truth today. God, speak to their hearts. God, do what only you can do in saving them. God, today we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross, and we thank you for the empty tomb. God, all this we ask today in his name. Amen.